0: And now, the Low Post.
1: Welcome to the Low Post podcast, where it's Thursday, a week after the beginning of free agency in the NBA. And we are now settling in for what promises to be the summer of Durant, the summer of Kyrie, the summer of the Barclays Center falling into a sinkhole in downtown Brooklyn as the latest super team of the NBA falls apart. We're going to go through the Durant trade landscape. In a bunch of different ways today starting with the Toronto Raptors undergoing an existential crisis their fans appear to be undergoing an existential crisis and to some degree their organization must be too as the Durant opportunity arises for them to help us sort that out a guy who knows this beat better than anyone despite dabbling in baseball (laughs) lately from Sportsnet with a just a, a great beard growing in
0: Blake Murphy how are you sir? i'm doing well man thanks for that excellent uh introduction i gotta ask you though zach when was the last time you knew the raptors fan base to not be in some sort of existential crisis
1: i think everything's been pretty good for a few years now they like this group of guys they got the title you know the lowry thing was kind of expected that he would move on and they would move on from him at some point it seemed pretty harmonious you know, Danny Green, Danny Green finally got his ring, right? The great like Danny Green yes. ring, like he never could get it, he finally got it. Everything is good. So I say existential crisis because as soon as the Durant rumblings began, I said now two plus weeks ago, the first call I would make in surveying the league for the best under 23 players in the league was to Toronto for Scotty Barnes. Then the Durant thing became real and the Raptors were described as Lurking, Lurking, loitering, stalking, hanging out, just waiting to see what would happen. And I think the prospect of potentially trading Scottie Barnes for Kevin Durant has thrust the Raptors fandom into an existential crisis. And by the way, um, I don't even know that the Raptors would sc- would offer Scottie Barnes flat-out period for Kevin Durant now in a month, in two months. And Blake, if you ask me to bet... I would bet they won't, but let's just say that that's what it takes, and you can get him for Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., who's a piece that really matters, by the way. People are kind of skirting right by the Gary Trent part of this. It's a big deal because the Raptors were thin last year. And we're talking about, remember, this is a team that traded for Thad Young because Nick Nurse was just running out of bodies to play. He was playing seven guys, basically, in regular season games. Eight guys, heavy minutes in regular season games. And we're talking about a deal that would thin them out further. So Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, Kem Birch, Thad Young, something like that with the picks and the swaps and the whole kit and caboodle gets it done in theory. Um, And just the prospect of that. Tell me about just what people are talking about in Toronto because by existential crisis, I mean this sort of like, man, even if it works and we win with Kevin Durant, there's just something about like having a guy that you draft, that's your guy. He grows with you. He stays with you. You get invested in watching 82 games and, oh my God, the floater's coming along and, oh, he's struggling, but we're rooting for him to come out of the rut and he's out of the rut and look at the jump. There's just something about that experience, right?
0: Yeah. And it's a super fascinating philosophical to me on a number of fronts. There's the fandom front, the way you just laid it out. Do you want just the titles or do you want to have that long-term payoff where i mean look at how kyle lowry has been sainted in toronto and he wasn't even uh like he was raised in toronto in basketball terms but he was a, a couple franchises before he landed here uh you had to get rid of that guy demar Derozan, to make all of that happen and that's something that was really conflicting for the fan base then so the especially with one title under your belt now I'm sure there are some fans who are emboldened by that and want the championship experience again no matter what and then there are others who are like no we did the dirty thing to get the title the one time let's let's build it proper this time so it's a it's fascinating from that perspective it's fascinating from a basketball front office perspective of you know do you want let's say two to three years of, let, let's let assume Durant's going to be at something close to this level for two to three years of this, and your window's a little wider during that time, or do you want potentially 12 years of a window that doesn't close because you have a guy that you think is going to develop into an all-NBA guy? It's, uh, it's really fascinating. It's been one of those situations where I see Raptors Twitter or even Raptors Media going back and forth on it and stuff. And you gotta remind people sometimes, like there's no right answer here. You can you can feel attached to Scotty Barnes and wanna see that through and, and wanna have the next championship here be a homegrown thing with Pascal and Fred and Scotty Barnes and whatever gets added to that. Uh, but you could also like it's not that long ago we were at a parade and I and we'll lose smoking cigars in, in Oakland and stuff. Like that's that's very fresh in people's minds. So I don't think there's a I don't think there's a wrong answer here if you're if you're a Raptors fan.
1: Let's just talk about Scotty for a second. Scotty's inclusion is complicated not just because he's the reigning rookie of the year, not just because the Raptors internally may slash do believe they're sitting on a superstar potentially. But also because he makes seven million dollars next year and so yeah. you need to find twenty eight more million dollars, which is why Gary Trent has to be involved. You can build deals with Siakam as the centerpiece, i.e. not Scotty and and no other players. Siakam is just about done enough to get it done by himself. You can build deals with Ananobi as the centerpiece and no Gary Trent Jr. or Scotty Barnes, no one else coming out of like let's say the core top six or seven guys. That's part of the reason why it's complicated. The other part, of course, is that Scotty Barnes is incredible and looks like a, a, a maybe, maybe a superstar kind of player. So I've seen it reported elsewhere that the Raptors hard no, we're not offering him. He won't be offered. I look at all reporting like that as like this is the beginning of what could be a long process. I think it's a little bit, with some exceptions, and maybe this is one, a little bit um, shaky to be making firm declarations about anything today. That said, I've already said I would bet against them doing it in the end. What do you think? What
0: Do you have an opinion on this? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? Because there's not precedent. When's the last time that a team who had the reigning rookie of the year was close enough that trading that rookie of the year for a win now guy would make sense it doesn't happen i think it had been 15 years since the rookie of the year came from a winning team tampa like,
1: tank baby yeah, Tampa tank
0: it's uh it paid off in that sense so um i i think the raptors are pretty serious about about that i think like you said they're very high on scotty barnes i mean he's out here riding around scooters in a raptor riding around on scooters in a raptor's jersey showing up the global jam the thing canada basketball and sports that are putting on the under 23 tournament here he's he's playing the game extremely well and i think the raptors love that about him on top of all the the on-court stuff um but this is also a front office that we, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it certainly applied to me and Eric Crean when we ran through a bunch of exercises in 2018. We didn't think that when they said, well, no Siakam or OG in a Kawhi deal, we didn't think that was possible. We were like, no way, then you're not getting Kawhi Leonard. Um, the thing that I think the Raptors would probably hold on to here, and this depends a little bit on whether New Orleans would ever put Brendan Ingram in the deal or what your utility for DeAndre Ayton at close to the maxes, I think the Raptors think they still have the best offer without Scotty Barnes. And that whether that's OG, Gary Trent, um, Picks, and then whatever salary filler, like they might be right if a team's not very high on DeAndre Ayton or you can't route him to a third team or a fourth team that, that gets Brooklyn assets they like a little bit more. I think that's the bet the Raptors are probably going to make until they hear that there's a deal that's beat that. That's a really good way to put it. So if the no Scotty
1: stance exists right now, some of that is because of Scotty. And some of that is because Toronto might believe, hey, you go ahead, get a better offer than Pascal Siakam, four picks, three swaps, and that's it. Pascal Siakam made all NBA last year and three seasons or two seasons ago, whatever it is, two out of the last three seasons. Um, And, and, I said on TV yesterday that I would tip my hat to Masai Ujiri, and maybe I added some other colorful things to that. (laughs) If he could pull this off without Scottie Barnes, maybe he can do it. And the Kawhi parallel to me is a false parallel because that was like the lowest risk trade for a superstar in the history of the NBA. There was absolutely no risk to breaking up a team that had just been pummeled by LeBron in the playoffs a million times in a row and was clearly never, ever going to get over the hump. And it was like Pirtle in a low first-round pick plus DeRozan. Who cares? There was no risk. This, Scotty Barnes, is risk. Ananobi is risk. Siakam is risk. But maybe they're going to bet, and maybe they're going to bet right. And the and just to go through, so that first deal that I mentioned was Barnes, Trent, oh, a bunch of picks. Let's just say three picks, two swaps, two picks, three swaps, because Barnes is that valuable that you're going to go down on the picks, plus Thad and Birch. That leaves you with a starting five of Van Vliet. Let's just say this is what it is. Van Vliet, Ananobi, Durant, Siaka, Machua. It's a great lineup. Your bench is Otto Porter, Chris Boucher, and then a bunch of dudes that were not trusted to play in NBA basketball games as recently as three or four months ago. That's a little scary, and that's why the Trent piece matters. Even if he ends up being a bench player for the reconstructed theoretical Durant Raptors, he's really good. He's a really good shot maker. He improved his pull-up three last year. It was the best defensive season of his career by a mile, deflection steals the whole nine. He's he's an important part of this. And look, as good as your top four is going to be, you're going to take injuries. You're going to play 100-plus games if you get deep into the playoffs and the finals. You're going to be tired. You're going to need bodies. I mean... Look what Boston just did. They concluded like our seven, eight, nine guys weren't good enough. We got to spend hugely into the luxury tax just to up and give up a first round pick and a young player just to upgrade that. I think those are, I think the Trent piece of it actually, to some degree, matters a little
0: bit. It does. And, you know, some of what Trent's value was last year is like, you're okay with it a little bit if you're, well, you're okay with it a lot of bit if you're getting Kevin Durant, but Trent... His skill set was so novel on this team, where there aren't there, there's not anyone else on this team really that can get their own shot in the way that Gary Trent can. No one's really a uh, a pull up mid range or step back three artist. And Siakam could get to the rim or the free throw line, and Fred Van Bleet obviously has deep range. But especially in those kind of hybrid bench units, it was Gary Trent doing kind of like a a super Jordan Clarkson thing with some of those units. So um, that would be tough. And you, you just went through some of the depth, like you're talking about Malachi Flynn and Svi Mihailouk are guys you're trying in the rotation again. And, uh, you got, sure, you've got 4.5 million of the mid-level left after the auto Porter deal. And maybe guys are more eager to come to you if you get Kevin Durant, but it's not like anyone's left out there. Um, so this is where, you know, I, I would obviously, if you can do a trade that doesn't involve Siakam, doesn't involve Barnes, um, you you like like if you have to give up OG and Gary and a bunch of other stuff and you have to make it four firsts I think you're thrilled about that but if Siakam's included the one helpful thing about his salary is you could probably find a way to get you know Curry back in that deal as well uh, and build out something bigger you know Brooklyn would probably be like will you eat Joe Harris and the Raptors would be like well we're giving you infinite picks we don't also want to take Uh, that kind of injury risk. But maybe you can build something larger that gets you a Curry or someone like Curry back as well. From what I've heard, Joe Harris's ankle is feeling good. And I don't
1: really understand how we went from Joe Harris, essential role player, to Joe Harris, sunk cost,
0: nobody wants him. Like if Joe Harris is healthy, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take Joe Harris. He's a really good player. I I love a healthy Joe Harris. I just, you know, it's the reporting around his injury has been like pretty pretty up and down or or pretty spotty and I don't know but I few bigger fans of Joe Harris than me you're talking like 46 47 on threes and a guy who contributes a lot of other stuff like like I feel like him sliding in that deal would be not to overdo the parallel but like it's like oh Danny Green's in this deal too what how the heck did that happen the Raptors also got five million dollars in cash
1: in that Kawhi trade didn't they
0: yes I mean you think Joe size is going to cut them off a piece to, to take on Joe Harris's contract too?
1: Five? I don't want to go revisit that. Um, a couple <laughs> things you just struck me. Um, you mentioned three-point shooting. Here are Pascal Siakam's numbers on catch-and-shoot threes for the last four seasons in order from longest to go to last season. 38.5%, 36%, 31%, 36.5%. I know that Siakam is taking a lot of this offseason to triple down on becoming a good, better, improved catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. That could be a game-changer for these guys, depending on how this team looks next year. That's neither here um, nor there. Uh, You mentioned Anunobi plus Trent. The combination that Bobby Marks and I have been texting a lot, poor guy. Anunobi plus Thad Young plus Kem Birch is a little bit short of the salary the Raptors need to take in Durant. You can probably overcome the shortfall with like a couple of small contracts and not anyone else from the core. That does turn it into like a five for one kind of deal, which is always complicated, but it's possible. Boucher has base year compensation and hard cap complications that I just don't feel like talking about because my brain hurts. So again, basically what it comes down to for me is, I, if I'm Toronto, I can't trade you two of Anunobi, Barnes, and Siakam. I just can't because I'm, I'm, I'm crippling my team too much. I have to win immediately in the first two years of Durant's deal because of his age. And that's just, those guys are too good. I can't give you two of them. If I can give you one of them, we have things to talk about. If the one is Barnes, maybe Toronto says, we don't have anything to talk about. And I am tired of hearing how stupid it is to quibble and this is not everybody saying this, but there's a minority of fans who are like, "Oh my god, Raptors galaxy brain. Who are these all these idiots saying it's 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 a it's a difficult decision to trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant? This is Kevin Durant. It's an absolute no-brainer. Scotty Barnes, who cares about Scotty Barnes? Maybe he's good. This is Kevin freaking Durant. Like, these are the same guys who said this about James Harden 8 months ago and Brooklyn is f- with all their picks out the door because the deal Went bust, like it's just not a no-brainer. Is it? Is Kevin Durant a, a an all-time great player, the most malleable superstar ever, a much easier fit than James Harden? Yes, yes, and yes. Is he under contract for four years, which is un, unprecedented for a player like this to be traded? Yes. Is it just? Does that make it just like you're an idiot if you think about? If you lose sleep over Scotty Barnes, well, if that's the case, then Musai is an idiot. You want to call him an idiot to his face? The guy who built the 2019 Raptors and built the Denver Nuggets and did the Carmelo Anthony trade? You, Twitter GM, are better (laughs) than that guy? Okay, well, then I guess the Raptors should fire him and hire you. I mean, it's a real—the cost of these deals to your future are real when you're talking about a player like Scotty Barnes.
0: I happen to be super high on him, but that's still a real thing. Yeah, and Kevin Durant's going to be 34 before the start of the season. Like, there's – he has four years left on his deal, but there's a good chance, or a non-zero chance at least, that you're getting KD for two, maybe three years and accepting that the back end's not going to be great. And I think – you know, Minnesota had to weigh that with Rudy Gobert as well, where is a 34-year-old Rudy Gobert making $47 million going to be a positive asset? Probably not, but you like the way it improves your window this next little bit. KD's played 90 games over the last three years. It's not that long ago that we were wondering how he'd come back from the Achilles stuff. So, and I mean, he didn't look, uh, Boston's defense did a good job on him in that playoff series, but that's front of mind for some people too. So, um, yeah I again back to my earlier point I don't I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here in terms of how a fan feels but I don't think it's as simple as you trade anything in the world and everything for Kevin Durant because again as we've laid out here as you've laid out if you trade too much for Kevin Durant you no longer have the pieces around Kevin Durant to win a championship, and what's the point in trading for 34-year-old Kevin Durant if you don't have the pieces around him to win a championship? We haven't even mentioned Fred Van Vliet as a possible piece either, and I think part of that is that that's the guy who you're like, yeah, you need that guy around Kevin Durant to fully maximize what you're doing and make sure you can win. Also, they have no
1: other point guard. You can yes. make of that. Make of that. Which no other, let's say, trusted rotational point guard. Yes.
0: Now they um, would tell you there's no such thing as point guards anymore in Toronto. Well, that's a that's an American thing only. There's no point guard on the metric system.
1: I'm not going to make any. I love Canada. I love Toronto. Yeah. I love Toronto specifically. I have not been to that many places other than Toronto in Canada and Montreal, but I love Toronto.
0: Um, Zach, I'm not joking. I have a stack of gift certificates on my fridge to my right for next time you're here from our oh, last low post. We we got the the unofficial sponsorship for, for next time you're here.
1: I love it. Um, let's go over the Durant landscape briefly outside of Toronto because I know you follow the whole league very closely. Um, obviously, there's been increasing amount of buzz that, oh, the Nets, well, they might keep them. They might keep them and say, hey, too bad. You and Kyrie. We'll keep you. We don't got to trade you unless we get what we want. And, and I've, I've said this before, but the Gobert trade was the initial reaction to that was what a boon for Sean Marks in the Nets because if Gobert can fetch this, what's the market for Durant? I looked at it almost the other way or at least as the double-edged sword of it has set a standard that is absolutely impossible for the Nets to meet. You just, one team cannot functionally trade you more draft equity than that they can trade you better players plus that draft equity. But the difference between Durant and Gobert is gargantuan in terms of yeah. talent. Like it, it created a standard that now they're under pressure to exceed and it's going to be hard to exceed that standard. And they don't want to have the egg on their face of wait, You, you got the equivalent of what Rudy Gobert got or just a little bit above that. That's embarrassing. Um, so there's, there's the Nets keep scenario. Then there's the list, the alleged list. Phoenix and Miami are on the list. I, From what I've been told, Phoenix is the target team for KD, more so than Miami. Miami has the Bam out of bio issue, which is not only Bam and Ben Simmons can't be on the same team in Brooklyn, but also if you trade Bam, they have nobody that can come even close to replicating what he does on both ends of the floor, particularly defensively. And so the, obviously they'll be hesitant to do that. Okay, you with me so far? We good? I'm with you. Phoenix has obviously Bridges, Cam Johnson, four picks, three swaps teed up there. They also have the Aiton piece, which creates potential three-team deals with Aiton going all sorts of places, whether it's Utah, and I'm just making this up. Let me be clear. I'm just making this up. Indiana, et cetera. There's also a lot of buzz around the league that Indiana is on the verge of signing DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet which if he signs that offer sheet, he can no longer be signed and traded anywhere. From what I understand, the Pacers cannot do that if they do it at all or will not do that if they do it at all until Saturday at the earliest because the Brogdon trade, which opens up their cap space, cannot become official till that day at the earliest, I believe, because of a quirky Celtics signing date thing that we don't need to get into. (laughs) So this weekend will be telling on the eight in front. You can build, like I said, you can build three-team trades. Aiton goes to Indiana. Miles Turner goes to Phoenix. The three-teamer with Utah involved, with Phoenix, Utah, Brooklyn, is just a monster trade with the Jazz getting Aiton and Simmons because Mitchell and Simmons can't both be on Brooklyn. Um, Durant and maybe some other stuff going to Phoenix. And then Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, Bridges Johnson picks and swaps all going to Brooklyn that's a monster deal that's very very complicated and probably every team feels like wait what just happened we traded Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant in the same deal and we got Donovan Mitchell is that enough and the Jazz are like wait we traded Donovan Mitchell did we get enough and and the Suns are like wait what happened we traded all these guys and we got Durant is that it's it just falls apart under its own weight then you have the Pelicans which I'm going to talk about with Andrew Lopez shortly the Clippers, I think, despite the Paul George thing, are probably not going to wade into this. And then you have the wild card teams, Blake, that I would not necessarily rule all the way out. Boston and Golden State. Knew that one was coming. Look, the Golden State one, to me, the initial obstacle for me was would Durant actually want to do that after being after having his two titles there discredited for joining a 73-win team that had just lost the finals, but still, and the bus driver discourse that has that has enveloped him. Would he really do that? What I've heard since is, A, for the Warriors, yeah, they'll look at it. Of course they'll look at it. Any team will look at it. There's only one guy in Golden State whose approval really matters. Steph Curry. Yeah. If he says yes, okay, then we got to look at it. And from Durant's perspective, this would be different than choosing the Warriors as a free agent in terms of the optics. It would be, well, I just got roped into a trade, man. Let's go hoop. <laughs> um, whether whether the Warriors have enough to actually get him is a different story. Wiggins is also on the designated rookie extension deal, so they'd have to move Simmons. It's very complicated. Do, does Sean Marks like Wiggins plus Kaminga plus Poole plus whatever? I don't know. This all comes back to, I think the Raptors might hang in here for a while, Blake.
0: I think so. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the, do you have to put Scotty Barnes in is we just went through all those scenarios and they're all either like any of the trade packages that get to what the Raptors can offer without Scotty Barnes require that extra layer of Ben Simmons has to go somewhere or, you know, Deandre Ayton has to play ball and you have to find a third or even a fourth team. Like I no matter what trade happens, if it's not Toronto, Brooklyn, one for one, uh, I would imagine this ends up being like that old Hey turkulu deal where it's like a four-team triple sign-in trade kind of thing, um, and, and there are just pieces moving everywhere like you kind of laid out and everyone's confused. But yeah, I think, you know, we can't go by just the betting markets, obviously, but they've been pretty sharp with this stuff, and, and Toronto's in the mix there right after Brooklyn and Phoenix, and I think, you know, Phoenix probably because that's where it sounds like kevin durant wants to go most they're gonna have you know maybe that's the hair splitter maybe that's the tiebreaker but i don't know i look at miami's package and if you if you're not putting bam in i don't see how they match what toronto can offer like hero and robinson just could barely play in the playoffs and well hero was
1: hurt in fairness
0: yeah that that's true and he had he improved a lot this year um but still, it's uh, it's a little bit of a question mark. And the Pelicans, if they're not putting Ingram in there, I just don't know really how uh, how they get there. I don't know. I think Toronto's in the mix. And I think their belief that they don't have to include Scottie Barnes to stay in the mix might be accurate.
1: This is going to end with me looking like a moron for declaring that I will tip my hat, et cetera, to Masai Ujiri if he pulls this off without putting Scottie Barnes in the deal. Because if I'm the Nets, I walk away if I don't get Scottie Barnes. That's how I feel. That's how I felt three days ago last week it's kind of still how I feel today maybe it's just not reality in the end and I'm gonna have to look like an idiot
0: well I I think that's just that like there is no one other piece that another team could put in right like like it's the ultimate conversation ender if you're Toronto like yes if they put Scotty Barnes in I don't know how those other teams match that right but they're I really think their bet is gonna be hey Force a team to beat that offer. Force a team to force you to put Scotty in. Uh and I don't think you'd look like an idiot ever, Zach. I think of all the national media, the Raptors fans have more respect for you than anyone. More respect for you than than our own people. You you it's a hard thing, right? Like we we did that with the Kawhi thing and Pascal and OG too. And, and obviously that situation was much different. But it only takes like Sean Marks to feel a certain way and then it it shakes out that way so uh, I don't know I don't think there's a lot of risk in anyone sounding like an idiot uh, except the people who are gonna have to backtrack that they didn't want Kevin Durant when if the Raptors get him
1: well look and the last thing I'll say is um, there's also the Kevin Durant what he wants not just for the Warriors theoretical trade but any trade off his list matters because I had I had um, a front office guy put it to me like this yesterday and discussing how to assess Durant's interest in joining a team that's not on his list it's like you there's there are two offers those teams are going to have there's the mother load offer that only gets offered if I can meet with Durant talk to him and get a sense that yeah he's in he's not going to be out in six months he's in I'm only offering that which is Scottie Barnes, if I even need to do that. Whatever Memphis's version of that is, whatever New Orleans' version of that is, whatever that is, we're only offering that unless we get that meeting and it goes well. The Nets don't have to give you permission to have that meeting. That's their prerogative. They can say no, they can quash that, they can nip it in the bud, you never get it. But then those teams have the second offer, which is worse and doesn't have the mother load in it and maybe doesn't have the bluest blue chip asset in it the no Durant meeting, we're taking a risk here offer. That's how the reality of this actually unfolds for some of these teams. So this is going to be really interesting. Man, what a what a decade it's been for the Raptors, really. From the Rudy Gay trade. Well, start with the Lowry trade, then the Rudy Gay trade, then the like the improbable construction of a perennial 50 win team, then the kind of false hope of maybe this is the year. Oh, it's 2 2. <laughs> Maybe now it's the year to LeBron saying, I've felt I've, I've, I've been in stressful situations before. <laughs> and this isn't one that's to, not adversity. Yeah. I've been in adverse <laughs> situations before. This isn't one to, <laughs> to Kawhi to a title, to enough smart drafting and undrafting with Fred Van Vliet that you're in this kind of situation. Just an incredible decade.
0: Get, Toronto's become a basketball town, man. And like to, to think that, you just laid out the side of this. That's well, what would Kevin Durant want? What do you want to go there? And we're past the point where the Raptors are an auto. No, where they're not an auto. Yes, but Kevin Durant's a very smart basketball guy. He's going to look at this front office and the pieces around it and how they're capable of building and what they did in 2019. And I think, you know, you just laid out what a decade for the Raptors and, and they've done a complete rehabilitation of what this franchise is in the larger league landscape where sure you're going to have the odd person not understanding what Toronto's actually like and, and talking out their butt with that but you're also going to have you know it, it feeling realistic that if you got that meeting with Kevin Durant and you flew him out to Drake's place on the bridal path and you sat down with him he'd be like yeah I see the vision I I'm I'm down to give it a try that's a long, long way from you got to take a gamble on Kyle Lowry and you got to ride it out with DeMar DeRozan because, yes, it might work, but also you have no other options if it doesn't work. Blake Murphy,
1: your work on the Raptors for Sportsnet is second to none. Your work on the Blue Jays, I can't say I'm familiar with it because <laughs> I can't follow baseball anymore. I'm sure it's outstanding. Uh, read, listen. Uh, Blake, I will see you at a firkin' pub.
0: Somewhere next basketball season, my friend. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Great to chat.
1: Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths. were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance – Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the Clutch hits, strikeouts, Grand Salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, as we continue our tour of interesting Kevin Durant trades that are not on Kevin Durant's list and teams that have had maybe not a nice decade but a nice week, let's turn to New Orleans where our buddy Andrew Lopez is in the house to talk about Zion Williams' extension and another team lurking, lurking like they're hunting for an unsuspecting fish off the coast, the New Orleans Pelicans. (laughs) Andrew Lopez, how are you, sir?
2: I am am very good. It has been a— A very, very good week for the Pelicans. If you would have told me they would have had this good of a week maybe seven months ago, I don't know if I would have believed you or even a year ago. So, But uh, nice, nice that
1: things have turned around here in New Orleans. Pelicans, by the way, when you see a pelican dive just straight down into the water, it's a badass freaking bird, by the way. People who yeah. think the pelicans are nice and cute and it's a goofy mascot, tell that to the fish because they don't see it coming.
2: I would I would say if you think it's a nice goofy mascot, let me go pull out Scary Pierre from the closet, uh, somewhere lurking on Airline Drive, and uh, we'll we'll pull that one out and see how see how cute it is.
1: So there's a Mardi Gras themed summer party where I lived that's coming up, and we were talking about people go dress up for this. I don't have the energy. I just I'm the Grinch who's like I can't be bothered with the dress up. But I was telling people what I should do is get the original Pierre the Pelican costume. And dress up as that, even though it's not really a Mardi Gras thing. And they, and they didn't know the story. And I told them the story of Pierre and how Pierre was some mutant combination of like a bird <laughs> and Pennywise the clown from it. And so off putting that the team yeah. had to construct a fake story where Pierre has plastic surgery. Remember they posted like a video uh, of yes. Pierre? Yes. Yeah, he had, he had his.
2: Everything was wrapped His beak was wrapped All this thing Because he got the new Oh yeah it was great Is he still called Pierre? What is his name now? He is still Pierre But what, what you are telling me right now I think I think the King Cake Baby Needs to make an appearance At this thing So
1: I sent people photos I met the King Cake Baby At All Star One of the All Star New Orleans He came to What was then the jump And it's King Cake Baby Look If you're listening I love oh, he's you always We're listening. friends now King Cake Baby Okay We're friends you're not off-putting to me anymore. I'm a fan. I've learned to love you the way you are. But goddamn, that thing is a weird – is is a strange. Anyway, there's
2: uh there's some king cake baby socks that they gave out one year, and it's one of those things I think where if you flip them inside out, they just look complete.
1: Like if you think it's terrifying as is. It's, it's, the, it's you, just you know what it is. It's the big baby head and the skinny little arms in the white gloves that just sort of come at you like claws. It's just a very strange. <laughs> I don't really know how that thing came to exist, but the, I think
2: I, I think the king cake baby may have to make an appearance at this. I don't I don't. I think we may be able to arrange this. Well, when
1: I told people about the Pierre plastic surgery story, they couldn't. They thought I was making it up, and I said, "No, here's a photo <laughs> of what this freaking thing looked like," and the horror that came across their faces upon gazing at original Pierre was like visceral, like Michael Myers is chasing me in Halloween-level terror, just looking at the photo of this thing. Okay, we've really lost control of the podcast, (laughs) slash I have. The New Orleans Pelicans, Zion, five-year extension at the max, Uh, no player option in year five, apparently some injury protections that we don't know the specifics of yet, according to our own Bobby Marks. Uh, and I think – did did Griff say something about that uh, uh, so far? Griff has,
2: Griff has said it before that, you know, when we go back to, you know, when Diane talked in April, he told us, hey, look, of course, I wouldn't be able to sign it fast enough. That was his quote about the extension. And Griff kind of mentioned, look, this is going to be a long process. It is going to be something that we have to talk about. So, I think they know – like, we, we, we know there's stuff in there. We just don't know exactly what it is, if it's, you know, games played or anything like that. But I, I'm sure they have protected themselves, you know a little bit against uh,
1: injury stuff. So here's their current starting five. I'm guessing. You can correct me if I, my guess is wrong. CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas.
2: Yes, and I think they will continue to make sure Herb Jones is listed at the two so he gets that guard eligibility for all defense next year.
1: <laughs> that lineup is awesome. Offensively, that li- if, if, the, if the Pelicans are not a top five offense – someone has gotten injured or something has gone wrong. That is a dynamite lineup offensively. Yep. I don't care about the only one ball problem. Zion can be a screener. Zion can be a ball handler. Zion and Jonas Valanciunas are going to destroy people on the offensive glass. Zion can post. Zion can screen and roll. There's going to be some spacing stuff to work out with Zion and Jonas, but I don't think that's going to affect the offense at all. The offense is going to be dynamite.
2: I mean, we saw kind of what they wanted to do essentially with that starting lineup when they put jackson hayes at the four and i mean obviously we know jackson hayes and zion williamson are different human beings but stylistically on the offense jackson wants to cut jackson is going to be around the rim he'll hover around the three-point line at times obviously zion can do a lot more with the ball and do he can post up and do different things but we, we did get a little taste of what they wanted to do there and i think the biggest thing right now of those groups i mean you got. You can put two of those guys on the floor at the same time at all times, and I think that's going to be the key how, to how this team really gets going offensively. If it's CJ and Brandon, if it's Zion and Brandon, Zion and CJ, you can mix and match a lot there, uh, and I think that's going to just continue to lift this offense.
1: Off the bench, I mean, I would headline the bench with Trey Murphy, who I really, really like. Had a nice rookie season. Everyone's favorite internet sensation, Jose Alvarado larry nance jr and you can go down from there to some of the other guys i love the idea of zion and nance playing together at the four and the five i think that's really interesting um you can go down this roster and say i, I think now pelicans fans really do not like garrett temple and, and i i think i get the sense pelicans twitter has tired of, of garrett temple kyra lewis is coming off injury and and um and has not really found his footing in the nba i, it, I you could argue this is maybe the only team other than the Clippers, maybe, who has 15 legit NBA players or guys that you would be comfortable playing in an NBA game. I mean, they're, they are super, super deep. And we didn't mention Dyson Danos, who they just drafted. Now, he might take right. some time, but he, people are really high on him. There are, there's a lot of talent on this team that can be deployed in lots of different ways.
2: Then right now, so they're at 15 guaranteed contracts right now because they they obviously went into the offseason with 14, drafted Dyson Daniels, who was 15. They still have their second-round pick, EJ Liddell, who they like a lot, who could possibly be on a two-way contract depending on how how things shake out. That may, you know, solve itself before summer league starts. I don't don't know how that's going to work just yet. They have not announced Dyson Daniels' deal or EJ Liddell's deal just quite yet. However, they have a lot of players that they, they like, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, you know Garrett Temple kind of fell out of the rotation in the last two months of the year, but could could still give you something. I don't know if Kyra is going to be ready even to kind of start the season because he's coming off that ACL. Um, that kind of remains to be seen right now. Uh, we've seen him at the facility, kind of getting some stuff done, but it is a solid roster. I mean, we, we you didn't mention. I mean, Najee Marshall has played big, big stuff for them uh, as well. Devontae Graham, Jackson Hayes, who we, we kind of talked about a little bit before, fit into this picture as well. I mean, they they like how they were constructed when zion uh had the press conference on on wednesday we asked griff hey you know how do you how do you like this roster and he just he was like i we want to see them grow willie green mentioned the word uh i think he said it that this could be scary once we add uh you know a a 27 and 7 and on 61% shooting uh into this mix so there's there's a lot of different things that they can do and i think there's you know, we're talking to me like, who's the point guard? Like, we're talking about that lineup. You got C.J., Brandon, Zion, Herb. All four of those guys can bring the ball up. All four of those guys can get the offense set. I mean, you can use almost anybody as as a screener in that lineup. I mean, it, it just gets to be some, some wild stuff that they can do with that group. And, and kind of like you said, okay, maybe, you know, is a team going small at the five? Okay, boom, Larry Nance, you're in. Uh, You know, can we really exploit the five, slide Zion up, put Trey Murphy in for shooting purposes? Boom, we can do that, too. Uh, I think there's a versatility here that maybe New Orleans has not had in some time, Um, especially going back to the last time that Zion was on the floor. The last time Zion was on the floor, May 4th, 2021, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Steven Adams started that game along with Zion and Brandon Ingram. James Nunnally came off the bench. James Johnson played 23 minutes off the bench that game. I think Kyra played four. I mean, it's just – it is a completely different team uh, from when the last time Z was actually on the floor with these guys.
1: Yeah, and and Zion is obviously – look, you know, the injuries are what they are and the availability hasn't been there. But the difference between Zion Williamson and someone like Greg Oden or whoever the comparisons came to be is, like, when the guy played a full season, he was a legit all-NBA level player. He's the best paint scorer since Shaq. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Now um, – defensively, this team's got to find an identity because they're taken as, as addled and, and out of sorts as Jackson Hayes is on that end. What we've seen from Zion has been, I think, even worse. And CJ yeah. is probably a below average defender. BI is average, I think, at best on good days. Zion and JV are negative defenders is jv's all right but he's pretty one-dimensional and not great you get him
2: you get jv in the drop and then things get a
1: get a little tricky yeah and he's as not, we saw. he's not great at that dimension and the bench guys are all fine whatever i mean bench guys are bench guys uh defensively they were 18th last year and i think that's that's this should this to me is a playoff team as currently yeah. constructed the way to become a solid top six team is to be a little better than expected on defense, and that's Willie Green's biggest challenge. I don't really know the roadmap to that, but but we're going to see. It's
2: clone Herb Jones. That's what the roadmap is. So let's talk. Herb Jones
1: <laughs> is obviously defensively a menace to society. His yes. arm should be illegal. It's it's all real. This is not just false hype. It's not a guy gambling for steals. The guy's a legit stopper. He shot thirty four percent from three last year. Forty two percent in a brief playoff appearance. To me. He looked so confident taking open threes by the end of the season and in the playoffs that I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that he's going to be good enough off the ball shooting threes and pump and drive kind of stuff. I'm really optimistic about him. The other thing that happened in the playoffs is Brandon Ingram averaged 27-6-6, six and six, shot the ball well, and looked every bit the number one option of a good postseason offense, every bit comfortable in the moment i mean that was a high stress series too i mean that was a high like as soon as book went out they had a shot to win that series and he was up to it up to the moment which brings up the question mr lopez how bad does this team want kevin durant
2: not bad enough that they're willing to give up brandon ingram right now and for the reasons that you just detailed i think one of one of the more telling things from zion's press conference on wednesday Obviously, Zion was not playing in the playoffs, but he was with the team. He was there. He was sitting on the bench um, going through practices, I think, at that point, or or doing some work at practices. And when C.J. McCollum joined the franchise in February, uh, just before the trade deadline, you know, we talked a lot about his leadership both on and off the court. One of the things that Zeep mentioned yesterday was Brandon He's like, we had CJ doing this, and we had Brandon leading us. And I think they look to him as as that guy right now. They know that, look, we got a lot of different guys on this team who can be the, the leading scorer every night. But it, when we're on the floor, we can look to Brandon Ingram. And we saw why, you know, we saw what he could do in that playoff push. I mean, he was, you know, because of his mid-range game, he was – hitting from everywhere his the, the three was actually followed he struggled uh, uh, from I think December on with his three-point shot I think he had a very good start and then was was struggled up and then started to find himself back during that I think the play-in tournament and the uh the playoff stretch there you can see why you know obviously Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant right he is one of the best players in the world period I'm not saying you have a guy who looks who is you know 10 years ago kevin durant but you can see why the pillows are like hey we got this 24 year old version right now who just did 27 6 and 6 in the playoffs we can still grow with our group we can still have our core and try to grow this thing uh without trying to you know jump a step or two in in title contention uh and i think that's what you see right now brandon is you know has been this guy i think you know there was you, you can read stuff into you know social media posts and things like that. There was a post that Jose had on his Instagram the other day where he's you know somebody talking about not believing in us and, and Brandon goes yeah but you know who did the Pelicans and what a little heart, higher heart emotion. I mean if that you if you want to go to Pels Twitter and you want to see where they were talking about the Kevin Durant deal before that, as soon as Brandon posted that he became like the number one player in the world like he was he was untouchable in their eyes. But uh, if if you're the front office for the Pel's you, pro- you have probably, you know, one of the better – All I mean, if, you, if, if the Nets won an all-star under 25, well, guess what? Brandon Ingram turns 25 in September. He's been an all-star. They have all the picks. They have a lot of what could get it done, but I think they also like the idea of still building with what they have.
1: They have all their own picks. That's seven. They have a Milwaukee pick and a Lakers pick. And a very, very slim chance at another Milwaukee pick, which they won't get almost certainly. They've also got some swap rights, but you can't trade those functionally. So they've got a lot of picks. Boy, oh boy. This is one where I'm glad I'm not the GM of the Pelicans because I would lose (laughs) a lot of sleep over this. You give me a starting five. And right now, if I'm offering Ingram, if I offer Ingram, given how frozen the Durant landscape is, I'm not offering you much more than Ingram and picks and swaps. I'm going to offer a lot of picks and swaps because I got to. I get, you, right. This is Kevin Durant for four years. But I, I'm not putting Herb in, not putting Nance in, not putting Daniels in. I'm going to put whatever filler I need in to make the salaries match. But right now I'm giving you Ingram. And a whole crap load of picks. See, I got a crap load of picks today. Waste some on the whole Kyle Lowry fishing expedition. It's not great, but maybe I did. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? That's past. What's passed is passed. Can't re- redo it. Um. I I would lose a lot of sleep over that because you, you tell me I can start CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, and Jonas Valanciunas and have most of that bench intact. woo And as great as <laughs> Brandon Ingram is. And I wrote a story January 2021, I'm looking at it right now, before last season, a profile of Brandon Ingram, and I wanted to profile him because I called him perhaps the most important X factor in the entire NBA because, as a couple of their coaches had told me, if he can be our Pippen, which by, by which they did not mean a literal talent on Scottie Pippen's level, but, right. but if he can optimize his playmaking and defense and Zion is our Jordan – Again, not comparing, just sort of the the apex version. The one-two. If we get the apex version of both of them playing off each other, and for Brandon, that meant defense, 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 and playmaking, we can be pretty damn good. As great as he is and as much as I like that dude, Kevin Durant, at age 24, had finished second in MVP twice, was about to win his first one, and was about to get on first-team NBA after two second-team All-NBAs, and he's still about that good. Like, we're not talking – 24-year-old Kevin Durant right now with Brandon Ingram. That said, he's really good. He's getting better. I have no reason to think he's not going to keep getting better for the next three or four seasons, particularly if the jumper comes around. I'd be tempted, man. I'd be tempted. I'd be torn. I'm already torn, and I don't have anything invested in this, Andrew. What's, what? 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 So you're just saying Here's, right right now here, it's a no.
2: Right now, no. But I think that's also as as, as kind of what we were talking about the other day. You on the on the hoop collective. You. Everybody's putting out their bad offers right now, right? Like nobody's gonna put the, you know, you they're gonna try to slow play it. The Nets are gonna ask for for everything under the moon. I I get it. I don't think right now the Pelts would would put him in that package if, if push came to shove. I I don't know what happens in the end, but at the end of the day, this is still Kevin Durant. When you talk to sources, I mean, you you talk to people like, All right, are are we gonna gonna go for it? And, and it's yeah, it's Kevin Bleepin' Durant. Of course, we're going to have these conversations. You have to have these conversations. That's that's what this guy does. That's that's what he does. He puts you in these in, in the the title contention right away. And if you put brand, let's just say it's Brandon Ingram, I think you only have to get four and a half million to get to the thirty six to make it a, a you know a legal trade by the CBA. You could do that with Garrett Temple's contract. You could do that with Devontae Graham. You could do that with Jackson Hayes. It doesn't take that much. And I think the the thing about the Pels, which makes them such a, somebody who could be in this conversation, is you can, like you were pointing, you could have that starting five and not have to give up that much off of your bench. The, The crazy thing to me, though, is imagine telling somebody, like, Zach, let me go back into a time machine. I'm going to go back to December, and I'm going to tell you, that not only is Zion Williamson signing the five-year max with no player, ex- player option, but the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be in the conversation to trade for Kevin Durant. Who? No one would have believed me.
1: Now, let me. This, to your point, let me take a little bit of an L here. I, pro, I didn't grade the CJ McCollum trade because I don't do grades. I was eh on it. I think that's the literal noise I made on the, on the trade deadline podcast. By the Marks. Eh. <laughs> Like and and I think eh is like C minus in in grade terms. I think that's what an eh. I could give it that. Yeah, I could see that. And my, my point was, it looks like you're giving up a lottery pick. And, and by the way, my eh went from eh to like eh when Larry Nance got thrown in. But let's but it was still yes. like a C ish. And and my point was, well, okay, so C J is thirty or whatever he is, and he makes a ton of money for the next two years for a team that's like kind of not really in the picture to do anything big. I'm giving up what looks like a lottery pick and a really good player in Josh Hart, a very good, like every good team needs a Josh yes. Hart kind of player. Like, what's the point? What am I accomplishing? And now I think Wendy mentioned on your pod that there, there may be CJ McCollum extension talks, which is going to be quite a bit of money uh, down down the road. But the Pelicans won their way into the playoffs, which turned that lottery pick into a much, much, much lesser pick going to Portland in that deal. And like you said, now all of a sudden they're in, if not the catbird seat, a pretty nice seat. And C.J. McCollum's a really good player, and they're going to be a good team for the next few years as long as they stay healthy. So I think I got to take an L on that. And and man, I'm just glad. I, I This is I, I don't know if I don't well, go ahead. You want to say I'm I'm out of no. words on the Ingram thing. I just I'm, I'm, i I need a, I need a drink on Griff's behalf because I'm stressed out about it. Here's here's the other
2: thing about the C.J. stuff. <laughs> He has meant a, a a ton to them off the court. I know we we try to quantify all this leadership and all this kind of stuff. Just in the again going back to the to Zion's presser, asking him, hey, how are you and your team preparing you to be on the court more? And this was this was his answer. I'll give it to you word for word. Since we he just starts off with this, by the way. Since we added CJ, from the moment I met him, CJ has been a great teammate. He had, CJ has been in the league a long time. He's already put me on game to a few things for longevity. The Pelicans are always there. They're always giving advice and solutions. So I feel like I'm in a great situation right now. Uh, when I talked to CJ uh, a few months ago for a story I did on him, he was talking about they had some dinners. On They had a six, a four-game, I think, West Coast road trip, and they had a couple of team dinners. He made sure that Zion Williamson sat next to him at these team dinners, and they would talk for hours. He has done – he has gone beyond, above and beyond anything that they expected him to do on the court – and it's that kind of stuff that has led helped lead the fact that, yeah, it, it it got Z back to the point where he was signing that extension uh the other day. And if he can get, you know, if anything CJ does helps you get Zion staying on the court, then yeah, I think I think it goes from eh to oh,
1: okay, all right, I see where this was going. The argument against trading Ingram for Durant is obviously your window extends longer time wise. It may not be open as wide ever as it would be with Durant in the next few years. But it extends longer. Related to that, given Zion's injury history, there is a doomsday scenario where, like, well, if Zion suffers a catastrophic injury or has just a shorter career than expected and we don't have Ingram, we're kind of screwed in three, four, five, six, seven years, whatever it is. But the counter to that would be if that happens to Zion, you're screwed anyway. Like, whether you have Ingram or not, your franchise is kind of screwed. I think it's a legit, interesting, interesting decision, but – Credit to the team. Like, I didn't love the the Lonzo, Kyle Lowry, Devontae Graham fiasco last summer. I was wrong on the CJ trade. Like, they are... It, you do have the luxury to do stuff like that when you've accumulated so many other picks as they have in both the AD and Drew Holiday deals. They're set up... And look, they, it all is based... A lot of it is based on lottery luck, right? They got Zion. They got the number one pick in the draft. But they're set up really well. Like, Perk even gave... I was on NBA today with Perk the other day, where he gave a, a ninety second apology to the entire city of New Orleans and promised to donate a lot of money. Like I hope, I hope this team becomes more than sort of a curiosity for a small number of diehards in New Orleans because this is is a potentially exciting team.
2: Shout out to to Chris Connor and the the Pelican Spaces where Perk went in and made the the comments about you know he would he, had, he would donate to. Um, to a local charity, if they were able to, if 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 Z was going to sign the extension, um, look it. They have made look. I think when you do have those picks, you can take take a couple of risks, and I think everything has kind of worked out in their favor so far. I think having Willie Green has been just a complete game changer for them. Being able to to get off of stand after one year, make the get the get the decision right this time, and look Willie. Things weren't going great at the start. Obviously, the three and sixteen start, but I, I do think a lot of that was, I think people were kind of waiting. Okay, hey Z may be coming back soon. He may be coming back soon, and it wasn't until it was like, okay, look, we need to forget about him and get some things going. And what after that they, they you know, they played over five hundred ball to get themselves in that play playing conversation. While the window is open, probably longer. I, I agree. If you get Kevin Durant. The window is a little bit wider open than think that, about, what it would think, if nobody makes it. I mean, you, you're you're trying to okay. If Zion does this, if Brandon does this, if CJ stays, you know the the way he is for the next three or four years, then it's it's if if if. Where if it's like if you swap Brandon and KD, you're like okay, there's there's not as many ifs there oh, in that no.
1: conversation. Kevin Durant is a is an anti if. Kevin Durant is inevitable, <laughs> and um and yeah the the other problem is like if you're not including Ingram. You're then trading a lot of your bench stuff, and just it's it becomes like a six for one just to make the salary match. Yeah, it's work. like
2: JV. I, I've I've played around, or you tra- or you
1: trade JV, and then your starting center is is who exactly Hayes? Yeah, I mean Nance. Is it? it it's
2: maybe it's Nance in that scenario. I guess that's okay, to-
1: honestly. If you include JV and you can start Nance at the five, but to your point, like. If if Zion is just offensively what he was two seasons ago, let's say maybe he's a little better, like or just more well rounded or something. Durant and that Zion are two of the eight best offensive players in the NBA. I mean, you're not, and and they complement each other like that is really really hard to stop offensively.
2: Yeah, and it, it it's and again it just kind of goes back to why if I'm Trajan Langdon and David Griffin and Swin Cash and Bryson Graham in the front office, I am. I am sweating a little bit. I'm trying to figure out if, is this something we can do? But I, I think because of Zion signing, because of the momentum you built in the playoffs, I think you you feel a little bit better about where you're at right now. And again, if it's like, if you're not including Brandon, it's it has to be like, I think it's Devontae, Jackson, Trey, maybe Dyson and JV, I think to, to even get you into the money. But again, you're talking about a five for one it just becomes a little bit trickier. Yeah. A CJ Brandon Zion KD lineup would be fun to watch, but um, I think I could, from new Orleans's perspective, they, they want to try to grow this the way they have been growing. And once you threw CJ into that to kind of help bring a little bit of leadership off the court, you kind of follow Brandon's lead on the court and then you, you throw in a healthy Z and we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the healthy Z is kind of obviously the, the, the key to this. Cause if, I mean, if they are healthy, even with him, I, I could see them making, you know, the jump into the top six. I mean, that's
1: – No you know, question. If, if,
2: they can get, if they can get just a little bit more from – I mean, you know, if Herb can guard two players at once, that also helps. I think but, he can, by uh, the way.
1: If those players are within he, 30 <laughs> feet of each other, I think he actually can.
2: Uh. So, and I think – another thing about Herb, you, you pointed out his three-point shooting. Fred Vincent, their assistant coach, has been – was it was incredible with him. He was the one who helped also got helped fix Lonzo's shot, changing it from left to right. Um it's also one of the reasons I think that they felt comfortable taking a Dyson Daniels at eight, despite the the shooting numbers that he had in the G League last year. Um they like the form, even his free throw his free throw numbers weren't great. But he the the raw tools are there and because they have a guy like Fred Vincent right there, they they feel comfortable with that. So they, they feel comfortable about what they are, you know, what they are building down here. And, you know, if if the price becomes too high for for KD, they're they're cool running it with this group and trying to, you know, make a push for, you know, home court in the West.
1: Fun times. Andrew Lopez, you do a tremendous job on TV, on podcasts and writing with news covering this team and this market. Uh, double lock your doors because the King Cake baby is is going to be listening to this and I'm going to triple lock my doors cuz the king cake baby I think can can transcend space and time if he needs to get up yes. to the northeast instantaneously to haunt me. Just imagine if you open up your curtain in the morning and just at your window was the king cake baby. <laughs> so
2: I uh I am now I'm I I was going to go take a nap after this and now I'm not. I am going to go sit in a room where i can see all windows and doors at the same time thanks
1: andrew lopez thank you sir <laughs> thank you for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call or click Granger.com or just stop by Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So there's another team that's not really in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, but is certainly ancillary to the Kevin Durant sweepstakes and a team that I've really wanted an excuse to talk about because I'm very interested and excited about their future and that is in a blink a team that has gone from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook and James Harden and all that and Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni to uh-oh to woo. this is getting interesting the Houston Rockets Tim McMahon how are you howdy partner I'm
3: uh, doing just fantastic appreciate you having me on and uh I would say that it was a very interesting, uh, draft night for the Rockets and certainly the lead up to the draft. Um, you know, they, they don't want to kind of pound their chest or anything, but they're, I would say feeling very good about taking the package from Brooklyn that they took over, uh, Ben Simmons and and not much else from Philly. Do, do you think Brooklyn would rather have Ben Simmons on the roster or all that draft capital back? Right
1: well, now? I, I took an L on the CJ McCollum trade just now with Andrew Lopez. I'm taking a big W on the Rockets one because I was team. I'd rather have the Nets draft equity than Ben Simmons. Um, that has turned out to be an incredible coup for the Rockets. Let's just read off Tim what they own from a team that may be on the verge of losing Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving and James Harden in like a blink of an eye. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the Houston Rockets can swap picks with the Nets in the next draft. They own the Nets pick outright in 2024, the draft after that. They can swap picks again with the Nets in 2025. They own the Nets pick outright again in 2026. They can swap picks with the Nets again in 2027 and they've got other draft goodies coming in from other trades too. Also,
3: yeah, part of that they've got the Bucks pick, I believe, next year and that was that was for rerouting uh, Jared Allen to Cleveland. And and you know, they took they've taken a lot of criticism for that and I think the the basic rationale for that is, hey, yeah, we thought Jared Allen was a, was a pretty good player, was a very good player. Who would have lifted us up to twenty nine wins? And you know what good does that do
0: them?
1: Well, and I think they also have been very open about okay, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Victor Oladipo. Which of these three has the best chance of of becoming an All NBA player in the next Mm -hmm. three years? It might be a small chance for each of them to a zero percent chance maybe, but which of them has the best chance? And they concluded Oladipo that went bust. And guess what? They're fine. The lottery gods smiled upon them last year when they were at risk of losing their pick to the Thunder if it fell outside the top four, it did not. I love Jalen Green. Yeah,
3: and and Green is kind of part of this trade because when you talk yeah. about why don't you want to win 29 wins? Why would you rather win 18? Well, so you can have top lottery odds, especially when it's a coin flip. You know, if you're in the top four, hey, are you going to end up with uh with that top four pick? Are you gonna you know send number five to OKC? But if they don't bottom out, they don't get Jalen Green, obviously. They they don't get Jabari Smith uh, in in this draft, and then we'll see what happens uh, going forward in the next year.
1: Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, and you and Wendy have a piece out today about the draft day drama between the Magic and the Rockets and the number one pick and how the Rockets went from, oh my God, are we getting Bancaro to, we're getting Bancaro, to, uh-oh, are we going to... Maybe have to get Chet Holmgren's medicals at the last minute. And by the way, I'm glad that you and Brian reported in that story, which is accurate mm-hmm. in this in this sense, that Orlando and Oklahoma City had full access to Chet Holmgren's medicals because right. there was some dirty rumors going around that got so their well. way into some corners of the media mm-hmm. that Holmgren's camp was trying to hide – some medical issue and duffy bill duffy his agent came out and said no these teams have the medicals i'm glad you guys put that because that that's true and i didn't like what was going on there but anyway they ended up with jabari smith those two guys that's a great place to start alper and shengun i'm a fan we'll Mm -hmm. see I, see. I, i
3: don't know exactly what he is but i'm a fan and i believe he is something
1: there are people in the league who think he's going to be an all-star. Not like a perennial all-star, but that he'll mm-hmm. make an all-star game or a few all-star games. There are people in the league who's, who say he'll he'll be so defensively inept his entire career that despite his brilliance as a passer and a post-scorer, he'll he'll always sort of be a ceiling, like a low, firm ceiling kind of player. But we'll see. I like him. Jay Sean Tate, great, great contract for Jay Sean Tate. Yep. Great, very good. He's already 27, so he's the vet of the group. Kevin Porter Jr. is the wild card to me. He's up for an extension. I've heard there have been some very, 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 very preliminary, like okay, we can we'll more like talks about talking at some point in the future, right. but some openness to a deal there. And you know, beyond that, I, they got- I
3: think there are mixed opinions internally and you know, frankly, externally. The the opinion I get most often is the Rockets should not give him an extension.
1: Well, I mean, look, um, he uh, locker room issues, including one final outburst, got him out of Cleveland. That's why the Rockets got him for nothing. Uh, what happened last year? He left. A, he left and the he, game at halftime.
3: Yeah, basically had a temper tantrum, left the game at halftime,
1: got suspended. Um,
3: yeah, got suspended for game. And the, and the one thing I will say about Kevin Porter Jr. Everybody I talked to in the Rockets front office with the Rockets coaching staff, they like him they they nobody claims that he is perfect, but they think that you know they don't think he is a bad guy. They think that you know he's doesn't always react to adversity well to 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 say the least. They, well, they, he, but they think he's a good guy who again, doesn't always react to adversity well. And then the other question with him, just from a basketball perspective, what exactly is he? I don't think, and nobody I've talked to thinks that he is a legitimate full-time starting point guard for a team that's going to have, uh, you know, for for a winning team, um, can they take that role away from him, bring him, you know, most people I talk to think that he is, hey, maybe he's like a six-man type of guy. I, I don't know if you can transition him back into that kind of role. So he doesn't want I can tell you, there. he
1: don't want to hear that. He doesn't well, want to hear that. Exactly.
3: And it's, and it's hard to do that when you're the team that said, hey, we want to make you a full-time point guard. So again, I think there's a lot of questions there in terms of, Fit, reliability, um, you know, and, and so on and so forth. By the way, they also uh, we should mention Tari Eason, who they got with the seventeenth mm-hmm. overall pick, which well, was a good pick. Okay, They got go Eason. On. <laughs>
1: they got Ty Ty. They have Tate. They have Josh Christopher, Deshaun Nix, Garrison Matthews was a big signing. The Kenyon Martin Jr. thing is really interesting because there's been some reporting that he wants a trade, and yeah. they, he's he's a solid player who's shot league average or better from three the last two seasons can jump out of the gym and defend a lot of positions. And they have a cheap team option on him for next season. Like they're not going to trade him for nothing. I don't care if he's got to fight for minutes. He's an interesting little player. Mm -hmm. Um, Your point about Kevin Porter Jr. You know, I called him the wild card of all this for exactly Mm -hmm. all the reasons you said, what position does he play? Is he going to ever defend well, well enough to really anchor, not anchor, but be in big, big games. What about his distribution? His, his shot or pass decision-making all that. All that stuff is like, that's real. It's so early, man, that I'm just excited about what they have. And I think what their bet is, is point guard, schmoint guard, is Porter Green as two kind of combo guards and Shen Goon as a playmaking center. Mm -hmm. Does that all kind of add up to a regular NBA point guard? And as a bonus, we have two like I think Green is six five, Porter six six. Yep. They're both long. We have good size, good shooting. Kevin Porter Jr. I think had the best shooting percentage on catch and shoot threes in the whole yes. league last year. Smith is. We'll see what he can give them, but everyone loves that kid. I, my my. General well, he's at least
3: a, he's at least a shooter and a you know a a long floor spacer who the expectation is he's going to be a big time plus defender, which makes him kind of the most natural fit uh, of the top three guys. If you're looking at, I think, Green, Shingun, uh in particular is, is is the core pieces you expect to be in place there for a while.
1: Eric Gordon will get traded at some point for whatever they get. <laughs> I, I thought
3: it'd be by now, but they'll yeah. get a first-round pick
1: for him at some point. And once that happens, they have no one on the roster that makes over $10 million until 2025. And all this – Pick equity coming in. Their own pick is going to be valuable for at least one more season. They could get another top five pick or if they get lucky, who knows next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, There just aren't many teams that are this well set up for the future in the whole league. They are ready to be a cap space player as early as next summer. And they're in a market where free agents are going to look at them. Like This is a market we can draw free agents. Like This team, Rafael Stone, the whole front office, they've gotten lucky in the lottery and all that but they have pivoted incredibly fast to a situation that I think most NBA fans outside of Houston aren't paying attention. This team is now a sweeping giant in free mm-hmm. agency starting next summer yep. and could go from bad to interesting, really freaking fast.
3: Yeah. I mean, next summer they could have uh, up to two max slots available in free agency. And you know whether they end up the 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 plan plan a is to be aggressive in free agency, but as, as as you know, Zach, like if you have that much cap space, you can do a lot of things. Maybe you know you're you're signing some players. Maybe you're you know signing guys and and trading to take salary off other teams' hands and add to your draft capital. Uh, they can do a lot of different things. And for a team that was so all in on trying to win a championship with James Harden to the point where when Harden decided he wanted out, they were in a big hole from the russell the Russell Westbrook. That's game the thing we the didn't even bring trade. that
1: up. They have all this draft stuff, despite an a, a trade that was almost inexplicable the moment it happened.
3: Historically horrific, historically and and again, I give Harden some of the blame, and I do give Tillman Tita some of the blame because I know he wanted to get rid of Chris Paul too. But whatever that's and the one thing I will say about Tillman now. This is not fun. Rebuilding is not fun for a guy who spent 2.2 billion dollars, uh, you know, to to buy an NBA franchise. But he is listening to Rafael Stone, uh, to the, the to the rest of the front office, to his son Patrick, who works on a day to day basis with those guys, and he's not trying to fast track it. He's saying, "Okay, you guys, you guys are telling me this is what's best." They have, you know, not just telling him but showing him, convincing him with facts and he is being patient and understanding hey this is about the development of young players and then you know next year not not uh 2022 23 but 23 24 at that point it, it you know wins might start to be something that that really matters as far as tracking the progress of the rockets i don't think that's this year though
1: wins don't matter this year but there was a certain looseness to the team last year, a certain structurallessness, that's not even a word, like an anti-structure amorphousness. People were saying, you know, what is Steven Silas doing here? Does he have control of the team? Is there a system in place? Part of that is coaching. Part of that is youth. Part of that is the players kind of being in chuck it mode. This year is not about winning. To me though, it is about Let's play basketball as if right. the outcome actually matters. Let's get a little more serious and dialed in with our shot selection, our defense, and our focus because the foundation of whatever they're building has to be solidified before you build on top of it. And to me, that starts with these younger guys playing, I don't want to say winning basketball because they're trying to competitive,
3: win. Not- competitive basketball. You, you do not develop when you're getting your ass whooped by 25 points. Right, you if if you lose honestly the way that the season ended for them, I don't have it right in front of me, so I might botch the numbers a little bit. But they, I want to say they lost their last seven or eight games. None of them were blowouts. A lot of them were competitive down to the wire. Jalen Green was putting up thirty pieces. He, I think he had thirty plus in like seven of the last eight games. Uh, Porter played really well in those games. As well, you know, so you saw, and and they 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 pulled Christian Wood. They pulled. Uh, Eric Gordon, you know, so it was just throwing the young guys out there, but they were competitive losses that showed you know signs of growth in their young guys and sealed the fact that lo- that the Rockets would have the best lottery odds. It was like a perfect, a perfect rebuild slash tank scenario
1: now the the um the piece that you and Brian did on the on the draft, and Orlando taking Bancaro and Smith falling to to Houston. Um, was was interesting, and but it looks like the the main conclusion from it was there was no secret plot. There was no disinformation plot. It was just like Orlando took a long time to make its mind up, and they were torn, and they made their mind up pretty late in the game, which threw the whole draft into chaos for a bit as Houston and scrambled to figure out what was going to happen, but that there was no smokescreen, no disinformation, and it didn't really make any sense for there to be because if you want to squeeze the Rockets – for the number one pick, if you want to leverage Houston's lust for Bancaro, you signal early on, we're mm-hmm. taking them, give us what you got.
3: Yeah, and it, honestly, it was strange. Uh, I, indecisiveness, I'm sure, was some of it, but just like even the, the day of the, uh, oh, got to keep your cards close to your vest. It's like, why? You're You're the number one pick. You, nobody can trade above you. You can't leapfrog number one. You can't go to zero <laughs> and, and and pick a guy. That's not the way this thing works. And so uh, kind of where I was confused about it is, okay, Jabari Smith thought he was the guy, so you, you kind of disappoint him. And then you don't. Like, Bancaro goes, and I'm sure he's happy to be the number one pick, but he goes to Orlando. It's like, this is kind of a weird thing. Like, you guys didn't show me a lot of love in the uh you know, throughout the process. Um, so the the whole thing was weird. I just don't understand what was to be accomplished by being so secretive. Um, but all's well that ends well. I think that uh Orlando ultimately got the guy who they wanted to get. Uh the it was pretty clear the whole time that Holmgren was not getting past the Thunder, and that's why Bill Duffy wasn't uh, wasn't sending his medicals to, to the Rockets. Duffy did tell the Rockets, hey, if I think there's any chance whatsoever, you will get their medicals. It's not going to be an on the clock situation. Like, I'm, you know, you'll get them. Um, but he uh, essentially had a promise from Sam Presti, it sounds like. And then I, I, I can't sit here and tell you that the Rockets had Jabari Smith above Bancaro on their board. I don't know that. I think you can. Reasonably conclude that that maybe they didn't, but it wasn't like a wide gap. And again, just when you talk about Ben Carroll, was going to be an interesting fit because he is a guy who needs the ball in his hands a lot. He's he's a you know creator at at six ten. How he was going to mesh with Shingun in particular, not to mention Jalen Green, would have been interesting. The questions about him are on the defensive end, whereas Smith, again, you you're talking about a guy who. At the bare minimum is going to be a floor spacing plus defending uh power forward who that that really fits well with the core that they
1: have. Uh yeah, and I I think I think everyone could be win-win-win here. But just for just mm-hmm. for a minute, um for people who aren't insider subscribers or whatever, take us inside what you guys learned about the Rockets draft room when they became confident. Orlando was in fact going to take Bancaro and there was this uncertainty. Like, wait a second, what if Smith goes to Oklahoma City? Are we going to have mm-hmm. to get? Are we going to have to scramble on Holmgren's medicals for the take? And 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 you guys are reporting that they indeed did make a last minute offer to the Magic right. for the number one pick. Take us inside that a little bit.
3: Yeah, and so again, they did not have Holmgren's medicals. They got Smith's medicals, and they, and so just to be clear, the the medicals thing. Sometimes an agent won't give them to a team because they saying don't don't draft my guy. We we don't want him there. That wasn't the case in this situation because the other thing agents do is like, hey, if my guy's not going to be on the board, I'm not going to give you his medicals. You know, and so uh, up until the day of. Jabari Smith and his agent, Wallace Prather, were, were very confident he wouldn't be on the board for the Rockets. The, the odds shift, obviously, it's, things are, are murky at that point. They said, okay, hey, here, here's his medicals. We've got no issue with, with that. There you go. Duffy was like, I'm telling you, he's, Holmgren is not going to be there for you, so if I think there's any chance, we'll give him to you. But and so, But the Rockets did fear being in a situation where they wouldn't have a lot of time to digest all that information about Holmgren. And it, they they looked at it as there were three elite players in this draft. They were picking third. They feared being in a situation where Holmgren was the one left and they, they felt like they were kind of having to rush a decision without having time to digest that information. So at that point, they're like, okay, let's, let's just inquire about trading up with Orlando. And it's not like they said, Hey, <laughs> Here's all the Brooklyn picks. No, it, I, I don't know what they offered, but it wasn't. It was not one of the primo picks that they own. You know, they they had very preliminary conversations. Orlando made it clear that that we're not really looking to trade down, and and that's where I went. If they'd have known that Smith was going to be there at three, they wouldn't have even had that conversation.
1: When you said Brooklyn pick, for some reason I get in my head just. The, how Brooklyn Pick is just going to become iconic shorthand in the NBA. And I was like, someone – a, it's a good name for a racehorse. Like some NBA – some rich NBA fans who owns like a horse at Yonkers Raceway should name their horse <laughs> Brooklyn Pick. Down the stretch they come, it's Brooklyn <laughs> Pick. Oh, Brooklyn Pick has broke its leg. Oh, no, Brooklyn Pick. Brooklyn Pick is last.
3: <laughs> but you know what? You can get excited about Brooklyn Pick, and sometimes it's Colin Sexton, and sometimes it ends up being – uh was it uh, was was Jalen Brown was one, wasn't he?
1: Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are Brooklyn. And Jason picks. Tatum. Yeah, I mean it, the Tatum won obviously indirectly being flipped for right, France right, and all right. that, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, look we got to the a whole the, the
3: Rockets can only hope to get that
1: lucky. Oh, that's that's anomalous for sure. Uh, well, we got through a whole Tim McMahon segment without Jalen Brunson and the Dallas Mavericks coming up, or the <laughs> Jazz. We got you off your off your your very active beats, which I'm glad about. That's the whole point. I really want to talk about the Rockets because I absolutely love Jalen Green. I think he's going to be a stud, and I just think they have a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I think this is like everyone knows Oklahoma City has has mm. what appears to be a great situation. They have Shea who's a much more established, better player than anyone right. that we've talked right. about. Holmgren lit up Summer League immediately upon stepping into it, and then they've got a gazillion picks. <laughs> yes. Lugans Dort is now a, a quadrillionaire, a bazillionaire, and they've got a lot of – but like everybody yeah, knows Giddy that. Yeah, looks like
3: a major find it's at number six last year. Then they've got all these – you know, like all the Jalen Williams in the world, and
1: you know, Poku, Poku's out there doing stuff, Pokuing around. They got By stuff the way, going
3: they, on. It's hilarious that their their team that they're throwing out there for the Salt Lake City Summer League is so significantly better than the crap they put out there for the last month and a half of the regular season. It is hilarious.
1: But but like we've all been talking about Oklahoma City and like the deep yeah. the deep 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 rebuild they've been doing the the crazy amount of stuff they got for paul george and the pg slash Kawhi thing mm-hmm. i just don't think people realize and what's co-
3: and for russ to be able to, to oh, get it's ridiculous you know, to get two rockets picks plus two swaps although it looks like those swaps one definitely didn't happen one might not happen and chris paul flip chris paul for another pick um which what did they end up doing with that pick i don't know it was like you, to try to track all the presti picks they took like jemaichael green got a they basically kicked that pick down the road a little bit with denver i mean but it's uh it's just but it's the same general philosophy oklahoma city had a head start in it and the rockets had to play from behind but it but they are in, in similar spots now to where you're looking at these teams and you're thinking hey let, let, you know let's keep an eye on them i think 3 or 4 years down the road they could they could be factors
1: with it and i think because of oklahoma city's just the the insane amount of picks they have and how it's sort of a running gag about how are they going to use all these picks? They can't roster all these picks. Oh, another pick, four more seconds for pro, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They've gotten a lot of attention, deservedly so. They've done a great job. I just feel like Houston has kind of slipped under the radar and people haven't realized what's going on there. And the difference is free agents will go to Houston. Big-time right. free agents are not going to go to Oklahoma City, which is why – the Thunder have to prioritize the draft the way they do. Houston. Now, can James Harden will ca- tell
3: you Houston's got a nice nightlife.
1: Well, okay. James finds a nightlife wherever he goes. I couldn't believe this—the the Michael Rubin party. <laughs> in, it, it's just, first of all, I, why wasn't I invited? I'm I'm somewhat local. <laughs> Geez, I could I go. I got white clothes. I got I got white <laughs> pants. I mean, I don't think I actually have white pants. I might have to borrow them from my dad. Because who the who wears white pants. Um, but I love that James Harden these these like serious reports about James Harden and over the weekend they're gonna negotiate. they're gonna hammer this deal out. And then the video services like Harden and Bede and PJ Tucker, who's like hasn't even signed his deal yet. It's like you can't the Sixers are—they just, just run into every stereotype about their team. They just lean all the way into it. Like all these teams are working hard at summer league, and like we got guys in the gym. And okay, here are the Sixers partying it up.
3: Yeah, James. James is going to get his body right this summer, and and all those kind of things. I'll say this though: Hey, to James's credit, when he said I'll do basically at the uh, at the end of the uh, playoffs, he said I'll you know I'll do what I have to do contractually to help this team. Win a championship. I think everybody's BS detector went up on that. And you know what? He did. And what he did allowed them to get his good friend, PJ Tucker, who's a guy who Joel Embiid essentially lobbied for from the second the Sixers season ended.
1: They had a great offseason. Sixers had a great offseason. On paper, they have improved their team a lot. Uh, on the dance floor, they're really doing well, and we'll we'll see what happens on on the basketball court uh, when elimination game season comes around. Tim McMahon, uh, outstanding story with Brian, uh, Mister Meme today on ESPN.com. <laughs> outstanding coverage. We will have to do a Jazz debrief at some point. Um, when whenever something else maybe happens there, maybe doesn't happen. Whatever happens, could it, but, could uh, another
3: signature shoe be dropping? You think at some point?
1: Oh boy! Uh, all right, Tim McMahon enjoy enjoy uh the hot weather down there it's always good to see i'll see you soon bud appreciate you brother